Welcome to High Cheese. It's Friday, June 16th, 2023. And the deep state is coming at Trump with guns fully loaded. At least their guns fully loaded. Now, just a reminder, these are not bright people. They've got the power and the money of the federal government behind them, but they're not bright people. But they know when their backs are against the wall. And their backs are against the wall with Donald Trump, and their backs are against the wall if Donald and when Donald Trump becomes president. So they're going after him. Now, my regular listeners, they'll know that I've often said that for the past 40, 45 years, that this deep state in Washington has merged with corporate America to gain power at the expense of the American middle class and American freedom. And Trump represents the American middle class and American freedom. Now, isn't it ironic that a billionaire, Donald Trump, would come to represent the American middle class, working class, against the cabal in Washington, against corporate America? But here's what we are to Washington. Here's what we are to the merged cabal of corporations and government. We're like the kulaks in Ukraine that the Soviet Union crushed once their revolution gained a foothold. Now, what the kulaks were, they were, they were farmers, landowners in Ukraine. And they had enough money to push back on the Bolsheviks. They had family structures, they owned land, and they were wealthy enough, and there were enough of them to push back on the Soviet Union. And the Bolsheviks could have nothing to do with them. So what the Soviet Union, what the Bolsheviks did to the kulaks, essentially wiped them out, killed them. They're going to try to do to us by trying to crush the middle class, the working class, which comprised a vast majority of the American people against the small cabal in Washington. And Trump represents the middle class. And Trump is going against them strong. Now, I don't know if you listen to Tucker Carlson's one of his recent Twitter shows. But he came out and said, look, there was a moment in time when the deep state determined that we cannot have Donald Trump. And he flashed us back to a, a debate in the Republican primary where Trump essentially said that the second Iraqi war was based on a lie. There were no weapons of mass destruction. That was a lie. So the intelligence agencies that partially make up part of the deep state said, we can't have this. We can't have this guy. He's just telling everyone the truth. And that's when they decided to go after him. From day one, we got Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, the impeachments, everything else that the media tried to throw at them. And this is why they're doing this to him. And they're doing it to you. And they're doing it to me. So with that said, I want to go to a clip and it's by Donald Trump telling people what he's going to do once he gets reelected. Now, can we call this a reelection? I'm not sure. Technically, if you win and they cheat and you lose and you come back and win again, is that a reelection? Well, we're going to find out. So let's go to this clip. Trump is saying, this is what I'm going to do when I'm reelected. I'm going after the deep state. So let's go to the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Here's my plan to dismantle the deep state and reclaim our democracy from Washington corruption 
once and for all. First, I will immediately reissue my 2020 executive order restoring the President's authority to remove rogue bureaucrats, and I will wield that power very aggressively. Second, we will clean out all of the corrupt actors in our national security and intelligence apparatus. The departments and agencies that have been weaponized will be completely overhauled so that faceless bureaucrats will never again be able to target and persecute conservatives, Christians, or the left's political enemies, which they're doing now at a level that nobody can believe. Third, we will totally reform FISA courts, which are so corrupt that the judges seemingly do not care when they are lied to in warrant applications. So many judges have seen so many applications that they know were wrong, or at least they must have known. They do nothing about it. They're lied to. Fourth, to expose the hoaxes and abuses of power that have been tearing our country apart, we will establish a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to declassify and publish all documents on deep state spying, censorship, and corruption. Fifth, we will launch a major crackdown on government leakers who collude with the fake news to deliberately weave false narratives and to subvert our government and our democracy. When possible, we will press criminal charges. Sixth, we will make every Inspector General's office independent and physically separated from the departments they oversee so they do not become the protectors of the deep state. Seventh, I will ask Congress to establish an independent auditing system to continually monitor our intelligence agencies to ensure they are not spying on our citizens or running disinformation campaigns against the American people or that they are not spying on someone's campaign like they spied on my campaign. Eighth, we will continue the effort launched by the Trump administration to move parts of the sprawling federal bureaucracy to new locations outside the Washington swamp. Just as I moved the Bureau of Land Management to Colorado, as many as 100,000 government positions could be moved out and I mean immediately, of Washington to places filled with patriots who love America. Ninth, I will work to ban federal bureaucrats from taking jobs at the companies they deal with and that they regulate. So they deal with these companies and they regulate these companies and then they want to take jobs from these companies. And it's taking place all the time like with Big Pharma. Finally, I will push a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on members of Congress this is how I will shatter the deep state and restore government that is controlled by the people and for the people. Thank you very much. And it's so important that we control the deep state, that we diminish the deep state. Because over the years, Congress, as well as the judicial system, has abdicated their authority to these bureaucrats. A godless bureaucratic system that is manned by individuals with bad intent. They've been able to set up their own internal judicial system by hiring administrative law judges that rubber stamp their rules and regulations, essentially becoming law, and Congress and our judicial system have looked the other way. And look at the monster that's been created. And they are going after Donald Trump. 
Because you have to remember, everything emanates from the deep state. There's so many issues out there, but if you clip the wings of the deep state, 90% of the problems that we have today go away. That's how important this is. Let's, let's take a quick look at the case. And I'll tell you, it's so funny. You see all these attorneys that are on CNN and Fox, and they're all supposed to protect the judicial system. And all I hear is, ah, Trump's guilty. All I hear is that, well, we believe somebody's innocent until proven guilty, but Trump's guilty. Look at Bill Barr. Trump is toast. That's what you want to hear from your attorneys? You're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, except with these deep state attorneys. Ah, he's guilty. That's all you hear. So here's a couple of things that Trump's got going for him in this case. One is that the, uh, the case is going to be heard in Miami. So you should get a fair jury pool. And if you get a fair jury pool, Trump will win. The second thing I want to point out is that there's a lot of corruption going on behind the scenes by the Department of Justice. And I mentioned in my last podcast, the valet for Trump was also indicted. And they had pulled the valet's attorney aside saying, hey, listen, if you can get the, the valet to flip on Trump, we heard that you're, you're up for an appointment as a judge. We'll put in a good word for you. And that's grounds for a mistrial, say the very least. Another grounds for the a mistrial is they pierce the attorney-client privilege. The judge that was presiding over the grand jury dragged one of Trump's attorneys into the grand jury and made him testify against Trump. Who ever heard of that? That's fundamental to our judicial system is attorney-client privilege. But not when it comes to Trump. Again, I think that's another case for a mistrial. Then there's an overriding issue here is fairness. We all know what happened with Hillary Clinton. They looked the other way with the email server. They looked the other way with Mike Pence. They, they're probably looking the other way with Joe Biden, but they're coming after Trump. Another cornerstone of our judicial system is fairness. And it doesn't sound fair when you've got Donald Trump being indicted, but not Hillary, not Joe Biden, not Mike Pence. Because they like them. They don't like Donald Trump. So a higher court may take, may take a look at that. Maybe even the Supreme Court may take a look at that. So yeah, you know, this is wrong. You have to have an equal application of the law in order for our judicial system to work. And it doesn't sound like that right now. Then let's take a look at the attorney. The lead prosecutor, Jack Smith. Remember I always said these guys aren't really bright? Let's take a look at Jack Smith's history. He's got a couple of big losses. And before I forget, I think this is the reason that Jack Smith was picked. He's a guy that leads with his chin. Yeah, I'll go out there. I'll do what you want. I'll throw any law out there that makes Donald Trump look bad. It may not be right, but I'm going to do it. So Jack Smith went after Virginia Governor Bob McDonald, got a conviction for corruption, and that conviction was later overturned by the Supreme Court 
eight to zero. Then there was the John Edwards trial. Most of the counts ended up in a mistrial. I think there was one small charge that he was convicted of, but very small. But most of the counts, it was a mistrial. Look at Bob Menendez in New Jersey. He went after Bob Menendez. Couldn't get a conviction against Bob Menendez. But the deep state, Merrick Garland, they wanted this guy. We want a guy that leads with his chin. He's going to lose down the road, but he'll get the short-term headline. Although I don't think that's happening. That's why they're all apoplectic right now when they read that Donald Trump's going up in polls. So with that said, I want to go to a clip from Donald Trump at Bedminster. The day that he was indicted, he flew from Miami to New Jersey, made a half-hour speech. He outlined what his defense is going to be, or at least some parts of it. So let's go to that, and then we'll come back and discuss. The Espionage Act has been used to go after traitors and spies. It has nothing to do with a former president legally keeping his own documents. As president, the law that applies to this case is not the Espionage Act, but very simply the Presidential Records Act, which is not even mentioned in this ridiculous 44-page indictment. Under the Presidential Records Act, which is civil, not criminal, I had every right to have these documents. The crucial legal precedent is laid out in the most important case ever on the subject known as the Clinton Sox case. After leaving the White House, Bill Clinton kept 79 audio tapes in his sock drawer. They included discussions of U.S. military involvement in Haiti, discussions of U.S. foreign policy, both defense and offense, against Cuba, recordings of President Clinton's conversations with all of the many foreign leaders at the time. Think of that. Discussions with the Secretary of State about conflict in Bosnia and much, much more. Very big stuff. Not only was Bill Clinton never even considered for a criminal prosecution based on the tapes he took, but when he was sued for them, he won the case. Judge Amy Berman Jackson's decision states under the statutory scheme established by the Presidential Records Act, the decision to segregate personal materials from presidential records is made by the president. The Sox decision, as it's known, also states, quote, the National Archives and Records Administration, or NARA, does not have the authority to designate material as presidential, and NARA lacks any right, duty, or means to seize control of them. This is law. In other words, whatever documents the president decides to take with him, he has the right to do so. It's an absolute right. This is the law. So there you have it. president has every right to do what he did. And what Smith did is he tried to criminalize a civil case. And what he also did is he tried to bring in the Espionage Act into this. And we all know what he was just trying to do. He was just trying to get a headline. Connecting Trump to espionage. That's all. But is that a real way to run a judicial system? Not to them. They just want a guy that leads with his chin. And they got it with Jack Smith. 
So we shall see. So we now have more drama associated with the 1023 form that the FBI was resisting to showing the House Oversight Committee. And out of that 1023 form, which is a confidential informant, which essentially said that Joe Biden was taking kickbacks while he was vice president. Well, in that form, it also indicated that, they were, that the head of Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company, has 17 separate recordings, 15 with him and Hunter Biden and two with him and Joe Biden, where they were actually discussing the kickback scheme and the FBI withheld this. So with that said, I want to go to a clip. with It's with Marcia, Senator Marsha Blackburn. She's at a hearing with the uh, deputy director of the FBI. I forget what his name is. It's irrelevant. He's just a tool. But I don't want to get us off focus here because it's not only about the weaponization of government and the FBI protecting Joe Biden. It also has to do with the fact that there are recordings out there between the head of Burisma, the founder of Burisma, and Joe Biden discussing the kickback scheme. We have to stay focused on, we have to get those. And it's funny, this, the dates coincide with Joe Biden's tax return. I think it was between 2017, 2018, or 19. He took in anywhere from 10 to $15 million from these LLCs. And that large amount of money coincides with the discussion of these kickbacks. So what the oversight committee has to do, it has to find out where the revenues came in from these LLCs that in turn gave money to Joe Biden. So in a a nutshell, Biden files his taxes, says his sources of income came from these LLCs. And I guess from 2017 to 2018, 2019, he took anywhere from 10 to $15 million. We have to know how those LLCs got their revenue. What sources? And that can be found. But the FBI is covering up. So it's a two-step process. They've got to box the FBI in the corner, get those audio tapes, or get them from other sources. And then you match them up with these LLCs that Biden claims paid him or income from an LLC, however you want to call it. And it makes impeachment that much easier. Quite frankly, I think they have enough to impeach him right now. So let's go to the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. That is not the FBI. You see, there are a lot of good people that work for the FBI, but you have a political cabal there. So why did you decide to conceal the information in that revelation to the House Oversight Committee? Why did you redact all of that re- uh, pertaining to the phone calls? We have exceptional people within the in You're the not FBI, answering the, the question. Best. Why did you redact that information? And they work relentlessly every day to keep this you country safe and to protect people. You chose not to reveal that the period. calls were there, and Senator Grassley found it out anyway. Is that accurate? With regard to the you chose document... To reta- you chose to redact it, yes or no? We often redact documents to protect so sources and So you chose to redact the, the fact that there are 17 voice recordings, two of those with the now president. You chose to redact that and not to give that to House Oversight. I have Is no idea accurate? if there are voice recordings or not. What I will tell you with respect to the you document, have no the document was redacted to protect 
the source, as everyone knows. Well, then, and this is a question of life my and death, time potentially. has expired. But uh, I think it would be helpful if, when you came before us, if you were willing to answer the questions, it would help to remove the perception that the American people have, because this is what they see. They see you do it every day, and that is politicizing the FBI and using it against the American people who don't happen to be named Biden, Clinton, or one of the elites. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I just find it hard to believe how that deputy FBI director can look at himself in the mirror. He just didn't answer a question. Just came out with these platitudes. Oh, the FBI works hard. We've got good employees. And Senator Blackburn is just saying, answer the question. We don't have a two-tiered system. Well, what about these uh, redactions on these phone calls? The FBI works hard. They're on two planes. They're on two different planes. Senator Blackman wants to know. And the deputy FBI director is just talking nonsense. Has nothing to do with the question at hand. And he's not helping himself. Because in the eyes of the American people, it looks like he's stonewalling. It looks like he's protecting Biden. And in a topic related to this, the House Oversight Committee, I think they subpoenaed Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's business partner in this whole mess. So he's either met today with them or is meeting with them next week. So I really want to see the outcome of this as we get closer and closer to Joe Biden. Now, one thing I find intriguing is right before Donald Trump took office, it was sometime in right after the election, November 2016, Biden was pushing then-President Poroshenko to nationalize Privet Bank, I guess the largest Ukrainian bank. And I just, there's, there's something off about this. I just find it an odd request by the Vice President of the United States the outgoing vice president of the United States before Donald Trump took over. Why is he pushing Ukrainian Poroshenko to nationalize Privet Bank? And what nationalizing your bank means that the government comes in and takes it over. So with that said, I want to go to the actual leaked conversation between Poroshenko and Biden on this. And, and, and again, this is uh, from November, right after the election, November uh, 2016. So let me play the actual released conversation, and then we'll come back and discuss. Let me ask you one thing before I forget. Privat Bank. Um, uh, I understand uh, the, uh, the, uh, the governor of the bank is, uh, is tentative about setting a date certain for the transition to take place. And I'm being told secondhand that, I don't know if this is her position for sure, that she is unsure of a date until she gets an agreement from you. I told, here's what I've told them. I've told them to get back to her and set a date and I would talk to you about the date. Um, because this is getting very, very close. What I don't want to have happen, I don't want Trump to get in the position where he thinks he's about to buy onto a policy where the financial system is going to collapse and he's going to be looked to to pour more money into Ukraine. That's how he'll think about it before he gets sophisticated enough to know the detail. So anything you can do to push 
the, the, the Pravat Bank uh, um, to closure so that the IMF loan comes forward, I would respectfully suggest is critically important to your economic as well as physical security. First of all, what did he mean by physical security? Was that an underlying threat to Poroshenko? But that's here nor there. I just find this whole conversation odd. You've got an outgoing president of the United States that appears to be saying to Poroshenko, oh, listen, we want to be helpful to Trump and please expedite the nationalization of Privet Bank. And then apparently he's holding an IMF loan over his head saying, once this is done, the IMF will come through with a loan for you. Now, apparently, uh, Privet Bank was full of fraud and it was not one of the best-run banks in the world. But why was Biden pushing for this? It appeared that he was trying to do Trump a favor. He didn't want Trump to take a look at Ukraine and see a collapsing economy with a bank going under and he would have to give them money. And uh, It's just all convoluted. But again, it's Joe Biden. But then I wear my hat. I wear my finance hat. And if someone wanted to further convolute tracking money from Ukraine, this would be one way to do it. Now, remember on that uh, 1023 form, the informant said there's so many bank accounts that Biden's money ran through that it would take 10 years to unwind. Well, you know what would be helpful in throwing a wrench into tracking where this money came from? It's so privatizing a bank. Because what happens a lot with these international transfers, it's required that they have to declare what the money is being transferred for. And a lot of banks don't do it. They're just negligent in doing it. So a lot of these international banks just don't put the reason why this money is being transferred from Ukraine into a United States bank. So if Biden wanted to further convolute the whole or obfuscate the, whole, the entire payment process to him, nationalizing a bank would uh, be helpful. Because when you nationalize, you, all these accounts change, you got personnel changes, saying someone from the United States Treasury called and say, well, what was this uh, $5 million transfer for? And there's nobody on the other end to say what it was for. And again, this obfuscates this money laundering scheme that they could have going on. Now, I'm not saying that this took place and that was the intent of Biden. But I just find it odd that an outgoing vice president of the United States would want to push nationalization of Ukraine's, or at least one of Ukraine's largest banks, prior to Trump coming in. So I think a lot of people haven't focused on this. I think they want, may want to come back and revisit this. Okay, thank you so much for listening. You have a good week, and I will talk to you next Saturday. Take care.